Hola, everybody. Welcome back to the Chiona Podcast. It is me, Sarah Sodizi. But if you knew that, well, then you knew that. And if you didn't know that, well, now you know that. So I kind of want to just paint on this blank canvas of an episode today and talk a little bit about this question in particular that I know all my POCs, we all get this question. All right. We all get this question where you meet somebody for the first time and then they ask you where you're from. And then you proceed to say, oh, I was born here. I was born here. And then (laughs) the next follow-up question that proceeds or that follows afterwards is, no, but like, where are you really from? It's like, at that point, how do you even answer that question? Because then at that point, you're not really saying where you are from unless you were born there. And truth be told, I was born in Canada, guys. I wish I was a little bit more exciting and could say something else, but I was born in Canada. Like, what do you want me to say? So then I have to go into this whole shebang about, yes, oh, wow, congratulations, you have figured out that I am not white. Congratulations. (laughs) But I have no problem in having to explain to people where I come from. But the sad thing is, is that I can't say the same for a lot of other people. You know, I had a bunch of colleagues in my grad school that would talk about the fact that they were so scared of being perceived as different or that they acknowledged the fact that they had a different skin color than their white counterparts, but they still couldn't feel like they could be authentically themselves because they felt like if they kind of, I guess, demonstrated any sort of difference to their counterparts, they'd be judged or they'd be looked at differently. Whereas with me, like, I have never really cared about what people thought when it comes to where I come from, I very much do acknowledge the fact that I am different and people are going to perceive me differently as a result of that. But I just don't care. (laughs) I just don't care. You know, like if somebody's going to be a dick to me just because I'm Hispanic, like, cool, that's their own, you know, issues that they got with themselves or that's just some sort of hatred that they have towards the world that I don't want to get involved in. Like, bro, please take your... Take your xenophobia and your racism somewhere else. You know what I mean? Anyways, I, I another question that always seems to get to me too, or like get me, is... <laughs> I, I know POCs have heard this too, where they say, Oh, you're really this for a this. You know, like where people will hear me talk on the phone or they'll hear me hear me speak and then they'll see me in person and they'll be like, Wow, you're really well spoken for a Hispanic woman. What does that even mean? Homeboy, what does that even mean? I remember hearing that. I remember some guy said that to me one time. I was like, oh, like you're you're very polite and you're very well-spoken for a Hispanic woman because usually the ones that I meet, they're super loud and crazy and all over the place. And I was like, what gave you the impression that I am not loud and crazy and all over the place, huh? Because once you get to know me, once you get to know me, homeboy, let me tell you, I am very much those things. <laughs> but that is not to say that I cannot be very smart and very well-spoken and you know have an idea of what I want to talk about okay let's let's not get it twisted (laughs) but I don't think like assumptions should be limited to somebody's race or ethnicity you know what I mean like I hear this a lot with a lot of my a lot of my black friends where for some reason it's this colonialized thinking and I don't mean to get all technical but it's this colonialized thinking straight up it's this colonialized thinking where somebody says oh yo why do you talk so white what does that mean? What does that mean? That I actually know how to speak the English language, huh? Like, you know, like we associate this proper and well-educated and can actually have a proper conversation with people with being white. 
no, 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 no. But anyways, anyways, it's neither here nor there. I kind of just wanted to talk a little bit more about the fact that like questions like these that pop up, I have a problem with how microaggressive they are. But at the same time, I don't have a problem explaining where my parents come from because I grew up my entire life embracing my heritage and being so proud of where my parents come from and the hard work that it took for my parents to give me the life that I have, you know? So my dad is Ecuadorian and my mom is Mexican with a little sprinkle dinkle tinkle of Chinese. And when I tell people that, they're often like, oh, wow, Mexico, Mexico, Mexico. Like even in high school, I used to embrace it. Unfortunately, I like I, I'll admit I used to embrace it a lot more because people knew I didn't. I, you know what it is, is people knew where Mexico was and nobody ever really wanted to figure out or wanted me to explain where Ecuador is. And unfortunately, like, I think that's such a shame because Ecuador is such a beautiful country. And I, when I went there. It was so full of adventure and so full of life and it was exciting to go and meet my extended family over there. Like I just I I I loved it there and I can't wait to go back. But I always I always feel some sort of I feel some type of way whenever people feel the need to just simply acknowledge my Mexican side more so than my Ecuadorian side. So for this week's episode, I'm going to talk about my fatherland and the trip that I took with my family to Ecuador because it definitely most definitely carry some really great stories and really great life lessons and just things that I have applied to my life now that I'm aware of which very much include never to go whale watching so to sort this out a little bit my sister was there for two weeks my mom my grandma my brother were there for three weeks and my dad and I stayed there for a whole month and (laughs) My dad was so excited for us to see this place because this is where he, you know, this is where he was born and we got to see the place where he was, where he grew up and everything like that. And whenever I look back and reflect on it, I think, yo, I am so proud of how far my dad has come. And if I get emotional during this episode, I'm going to say it in advance. I'm sorry. Whenever I talk about my dad or my parents in general, me pongo a chiar, okay? L- like, listen, the, the podcast's name is Chiona. What do you want from me, okay? So we went there, uh, I want to say, when was this? In 2017. Yeah, we went there in 2017, and I had just finished my undergraduate degree. So we were going on vacation, and I was there for a month, and, and it was amazing because that was one of the first times I actually got to meet a lot of my dad's family, like my extended family. I have a lot of family that lives out here in Canada, but there's even more family because my dad is a sibling of 12. And there's even more family that lives out in Ecuador. So part of our little trek over there, we went on this uh, we went on this drive all the way out to this, this place. I forget what it's called. Once I figure out what the name of it is, is, if it comes to me during this recording, then I will tell you what it is. But at, at the time, right now, it, it escapes me. Maybe I'll just ask my dad or something. But yeah, so we get to this like little town and it's kind of like a, oh, wait, 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 it's coming to be Puerto Viejo. That's what it's called. So we get there and one of the first things that we sign up for, because my dad is really like, he grew up on the coast. So always by the beach, always by the water. My dad loves going fishing and he loves doing that type of stuff. So naturally he wanted to get into the water somehow while we were there. And this is like a, a Puerto Viejo in 
in English translate to, translates to old port. It's a fishing town. And as such, there's a lot of wildlife way, 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 way out in the, out in the open water. So they have, they had whale watching tours that you can go on. And over on the east coast of, of Canada, actually, they have really awesome tours for that as well. If you ever get the chance to come out here and you go, you want to go to the east coast and do some whale watching or even just like look at some wildlife, I highly recommend it. I've, I've gone on a trip over to Nova Scotia and I loved it over there. It's, it's beautiful. PEI is also really beautiful too. If you ever get the chance, I'm, t- I'm going on a tangent, but I'm just saying like, Wildlife in itself or like water, water, animals, marine, I I can't speak, marine wildlife are incredible to look at in person and just to see them live in their natural habitat is beautiful. So with that in mind, my dad wanted to go on this whale watching tour and we were like, okay, sure. Like all of us had agreed upon it and I knew, like I already knew that I get seasick on boats. So I was like, okay, like I'm going to need to take a gravel and after that I'll be fine when we get on the boat. I guess I had taken the pill or the, because I take the chewable ones, I guess I had taken the pill way too early because after I had fallen asleep, we were on the boat and at first it was okay. Like I was doing all right. And then this is when the problem started because we got into even further open water and the waves or like the, the tide was getting even worse as we went further on, obviously, into open water because it's a little bit more, the water's more choppy, it's not as relaxed, and it's not as controlled when you're closer to the, you know, closer to the shore. So as a result, I got extremely seasick. Like, I was literally hanging my head over the boat pretty much the entire time. And... It was, and I tell you that this is a funny story because, so I wasn't the only one that was feeling sick. My cousin was feeling sick. My sister was feeling sick. My mom was also feeling sick. My uncle was also feeling sick. Like everybody besides my, my grandma, my aunt, my dad, my brother a little bit, but not really. They were feeling sick. My dad was having the time of his life, man. Just like walking all over the boat and everything and just checking up on me occasionally. But then when we finally got into like full, full, full open water and we passed by the area where like the whales were, my dad kept trying to tell me. He was like, mija, mija, which is my daughter, my daughter in Spanish. Mija, mija look, 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 there's the whales. And he would like, he tried to like pull my head up so that I could look and see. But the minute he did that, I immediately wanted to throw up again. I was like, no, dad. And so then I yacked, (laughs) yacked over the edge of the boat. It was disgusting. I'm sorry if this is TMI, but like all my lunch gone. I just, I, I was not having it. So finally they turned the boat around Oh, mind you, there were other people on this boat. I should have given that detail out. There were other people on this boat that were not related to us whatsoever. And they were so grossed out and horrified by the fact that I was dying. They had two younger children on there. Like there was a family of four. It was a mom and a dad and then a daughter and a son. Two young children on there. And they were horrified by the fact that I was dying. And it seemed like there was no hope for me at that point because it was so bad. But anyways, they turn the boat around and we're heading back or what I think is we're heading back to the shore. And when we're when we're on our way back, I'm still feeling a little woozy, but I had, you know, finally gotten everything out of my system because I had pretty much puked my guts out. Like there was nothing else that was going to come out, but I was still feeling really dizzy. So I was just sitting there 
not looking at anybody, not moving, nothing. And my dad is sitting beside me and is just like, Mija, are you okay? Like, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. We should have given you another pastilla or another pill. And yeah, and he he just felt bad. But I, I mean, like, all that mattered to me was that he was having a good time. Because again, my, da- my dad was in his home country and he was so excited about it. And he wanted to show us, you know, all the parts of it that he really enjoyed when he was living out there and whatnot. So anyways, we're on the boat and I'm still feeling woozy. And then they, for some reason, they stop right by like, the these rocks and I'm like what the heck is going on and so they stopped the boat and they said hey okay you guys can get off and you can you can go swimming and everybody else they got like a bunch of them got off the boat started going swimming and everything and we all had our life or they all had their life jackets and people were beckoning me to get on get 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 in and Sarah you'll feel so much better blah 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 but I literally did not want to move from that boat it was so like I feel like I was in a state of shock, but I didn't actually know it because like, like I've seen myself throw up before. Like that's not, that's not what scares me, but I think it was just the idea of the fact that like I was in a foreign country and like I felt completely helpless at that point and like just, I don't, I don't even know, but eventually everyone coerced me into getting into the water. I jumped in. And you know what? I actually did start to feel better. And we found a starfish right along there because the water wasn't that deep. So we were able to dive down a little bit. We found a starfish and uh, and I started to feel better. And I was like, okay, this is good. This is good. And so then we get back on the boat and I'm fit as a fiddle. So we get to the shore and I get off the boat and <laughs> the, 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 the captain... He says to me, he's like, oh, you take care of yourself, please. Like, I feel like everybody that was on the boat, including my family, just was just felt so bad for me because at that point, like, I lost my lunch and, like, I was so unbelievably weak. Like, I just felt, whoa, it was horrible. And I never, ever, ever want to do something like that again. And it's funny because when things happen to me, and I always tell my family this, is that things always happen to me. This is why I have as many stories as I do. They always they, they always make a joke out of it. And I think that's because I'm the youngest out of everybody. And so I get picked on a lot. But it's all in good fun, you know? It's nothing like, oh, ha, 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 you suck type of thing. It's just kind of like poking fun. My dad never fails to remind me of the time that we were looking at the whales. Because he was recording everything. Oh, get this. He was recording everything on his iPad. Thank goodness. There was no recording of me throwing up on the boat. Because I think that would have just been the cherry on, on top, you know? Of just him recording me yakking or whatever. But he has recordings on his iPad of when we went on that boat and he was recording videos of the whales and my dad never fails to remind me whenever he's looking through that album he always says to me oh sarah do you want to come and look at the album from ecuador and i he he, that's all he needs to say for me to know what he's referring to and then afterwards he follows up with like oh we can look at the whales since you didn't get to look at them last time (laughs) and i just look at my dad and i'm like please please let's let's just let's just not how about how about that all right so the next excursion that we went on was our trip to quito from guayaquil because that's where my family lives in ecuador and that took 850 million years oh my gosh i thought it would never end it took us forever to get there and not to mention the fact that i yacked in the bus i feel like this episode all has to do with me just 
yakking everywhere, but it doesn't, I promise. This story doesn't. So we get to Quito, and the first thing that we do is we want to go on this, or my dad wants to go on this hike on this mountain. So we get to the bottom of the gondola, and the gondola takes us all the way to the top of the mountain. And when we get to the top of the mountain, it's a beautiful view. I have the picture still, and I just, wow, so breathtaking. But something that you guys need to know is that at this time, I was not treating my body very well, okay? So my mental health was already deteriorating at this point. I didn't know it yet, but it was very much on a very, very slippery slope and going downhill, especially after I came back from Ecuador, but that's another story for a different time. But my mental health was deteriorating. And then while I was in summer school, so before we went to Ecuador, while I was in summer school, I was doing absolutely no exercise whatsoever. I know that's quite a contrast from how I am now. And I was eating like crap all the time because what the thing was is that during summer school, I would bring food with me. I would bring food with me so that I wouldn't have to buy any because my job situation wasn't that secure. But you know those ones where you try to be healthy so you eat all your food when you're supposed to eat it because you're hungry but then you run out of food and you're like damn it what do i do now and it's too long of a time period for me to wait till i get home to go and eat something so this is what i would do i would bring something i would eat it and then a couple hours later i would get hungry again so i would go to ziteca and eat a deep fried quesadilla basically every single time i had class so like sometimes i had classes two days two days uh two two times a day why am i why am i struggling two times a day and so i would eat my regular food that i would bring from home and then later on in the evening i would eat a deep fried quesadilla with sour cream and chile and everything on it it was oh gosh just thinking about it now is nasty like that's those types of meals now are like my cheat meals you know but back then i just i loved that stuff and it was so good i would sit on the top floor of the library and eat my quesadilla in silence all by myself because of this that's that that's a little bit of the context there i was not very healthy okay so when we went and did this hike and we got to the top of the mountain immediately like almost like instantly i could start to feel like the world was closing in on me i was getting really anxious and I was getting really lightheaded and so they had this station there where you could pay get this you could pay for flavored oxygen and you're probably wondering what the heck is that even like what does that even entail or what even is that and I'll explain to you so basically you sit down at the station and then the guy who operates the machine asks you what flavor you want and I was like, okay, like I want this, this such and such flavor. Like they had a variety of flavors to pick from. I think it was a girl that was doing it for me actually. So then you pick which flavor you want and basically they hook you up to the machine. So they'll put two tubes or like there's like little openings that you can put in your nose. And then those tubes are put across your face and the tubes go down. I'm describing this horribly, but the tubes go down your back and then the rest of the tubes are connected to the machine. So the machine is flowing through the tube, all this oxygen or flavored oxygen that you can get so that way you don't want to pass out. And at that point, I very much was ready to pass out because I just, I, like I said, guys, I was not healthy at all. So I had to sit there and I picked, I don't remember which flavor I picked. I think I picked watermelon. I want to say I picked watermelon. And I sat there and I had to breathe in the oxygen. And it was so weird because like, it's like, it's as if you're like just taking a slice of watermelon and holding it to your face. And then you're starting to regain vision and you're starting to regain a sense of where you are and all that stuff. Because I was panicking at that point because I was feeling like really lightheaded. But I sat there and I got my oxygen and everything like that. And thank goodness, like, 
It wasn't just me that needed the oxygen. My grandma did too. But in retrospect, my grandma needed it because she's an older woman. I needed it just because I would eat quesadillas every single day. So, I mean, there's the difference there. But all in all, being on that mountain and hiking and being able to see those views, oof, so stunning. And I wish or I hope to God when COVID is over, which at this point, God knows when, I can go back and actually do the hike properly because now, obviously, you guys know I am a gym monkey and people ask me why I call myself that instead of a gym rat because often the common phrase or I guess like the common name for somebody that goes to the gym regularly is a gym rat and personally for me like rats are really ugly and they're really gross and hello they that you can find them in the sewers and things like that like no uh uh-uh I like to think I'm a little bit more classy than that so (laughs) that's why I call myself a gym monkey but if you think about it monkeys aren't that attractive or that much attractive either compared to rats but I like monkeys, so that's why I call myself a gym monkey. I don't know, dude. But all in all, if I could go back and I could go and do that hike again, then I would. And I know for a fact that this time I probably wouldn't need oxygen and almost die. And you know what I think about is the fact that you had to pay for oxygen. So really, if we hadn't paid, Mads really could have just left me to die there. You know what I mean? Like, not to be over dramatic, but to be dramatic. Like, if I didn't have any money to pay for the oxygen, what, were they just going to be like, all right, well, see ya. Like, you know? <laughs> all right, so to end this off, end this episode off i am going to talk about the time we went to the town my dad was born and raised in and it brought and i'm pretty sure me ending this off is going to bring some sort of very heavy and deep emotions so i'm just letting you know that in advance but when we got there first of all let me let me give you some context okay my dad's town is called san clemente and it's very small, like ridiculously small. Like think of the think of the smallest town in your area, and you know San Clemente is like ten times smaller than that. Okay, they have a population of like less than a hundred people, and everybody knows each other. And so, if you're not from there, they will definitely know, and they will definitely investigate and ask like who these people are and what they're doing here and stuff like that. Because that's exactly what happened when we got there. So my dad knew this lady, or my aunt actually, knew this lady that lives there still, and they still keep in contact. So she let us stay at her house. And from there, my dad started to recognize a bunch of these people. And my grandfather, so my dad's dad, was kind of a household name a little bit because some of these people recognized my dad because of his dad. So they said, they were like, oh my goodness, el señor Abel, el señor Abel. That's my grandfather's name, Abel. El Señor Abel, wow, este es su hijo, blah, 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 this is his son. And so a lot of these people recognized my dad. And it was really cool to see because, like, my dad, to me, is my hero. And seeing people get excited over a person like him is, is nothing new to me. Because if you know my dad, he's the most kind, compassionate, and friendly person there is. You know, unless you get on his bad side, then that's not really a fun time for you. But nonetheless... So when we were there, my dad was enjoying every minute of it where he reminisced about places that he went to or things that he did while he was there. And I got to give you guys some context. My dad's family did not grow up in a very wealthy situation. They weren't very well off, especially since they were 12 kids. At the time, I want to say there were about seven of them. The rest of them weren't even born yet when they were living here. But my dad was the first boy 
out of all of them. So a lot of my family highly respects my dad because of this. And at that time or during those times, boys were heavily regarded as the ones who were responsible for a lot of things. So other than my grandfather, my dad was very much considered another dad to a lot of the a lot of the siblings because my dad started working like as young as like eight, seven or eight years old. And my grandmother, she was a really, really good cook, but an even better baker. Oh my gosh. She used to make such amazing sweets. Like every family holiday, we would Christmas, Thanksgiving, birthdays, she would make amazing, amazing panes or breads, I guess you could say, like sweet breads. And my aunts have learned how to make them and they're just as good. But when my dad was growing up, my grandmother, to make a living, she would sell bread and or she would make bread and then she would get my dad to sell it on the street. And oh, here we go. Here we go. Getting emotional here. My dad has been a hustler his entire life. You know, like it makes you think like how hard people work and how difficult it is to provide for your family, even if it's just like a small little fraction of what what's needed to take care of your family. So when I see how hard my dad works now. I admire it so much because, you know, he's been doing this his whole life, right? So when he would tell us these stories, he would say, like, this is what I used to do. And then when we were actually there, like, seeing the place where my dad would go out on the street and sell bread, like, there was just a whole other feeling that I experienced now understanding, like, this is where it all happened. And so... Another story that kind of is paired with this, and again, it made me really realize that like my dad has been through so much and my and I admire him for every every bit of tenacity he has is that town was very, 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 very Catholic, celebrated every Catholic holiday, would always observe every Catholic tradition and things like that. And so my dad's family is Christian or we're all Christian. So as a result, that wasn't really something that a lot of people accepted back then. And the means by which people did not accept that were even more brutal. And you would question them now. But back then, it was it was widely accepted by them. But basically, my grandmother had invited these missionaries that came into that town. She had invited these missionaries to come into their house. And I guess a lot of people from the town didn't like that because, again, this was a heavily Catholic town and they practice a lot of catholic like catholic traditions and whatnot so when the priests at the catholic church had found out that my grandmother had invited these missionaries into their house they weren't very happy by that because a lot of their living or a lot of what what the town was grounded in was donations to the church and, and things like that and they thought that if there were people outside of that community that were trying to come in it would interfere with I guess, I don't know, it would interfere with the funds that they were getting or something like that. But really, like, missionaries, the missionaries were literally just there to talk to my grandma and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't even like, anyways, I'm getting off topic here. But basically, everybody in that town, so everybody that they knew was very upset that my grandmother had accepted these missionaries into her home. And because of that, they were ostracized from the community my my dad and his siblings and everything like that people wouldn't speak to them and they would throw rocks at my grandmother's house and stuff like that so they treated them very poorly as a result but what I admire and I think my dad gained it from my grandmother and I've gained this from my dad is the fact that 
People can hate you and people can say terrible things about you. But at the end of the day, that's their burden to carry. And as long as you stay strong in what you believe in and as long as you stay firm and hold tight to what you have, then that's all that matters, you know? And my dad has taught me that my entire life where people are going to say things about you that aren't true or people are going to say really horrible things to you and they're going to hurt you and things like that but at the end of the day as long as you stay strong in who you are and the things that you carry with yourself none of those things are going to matter oh jeez i'm getting hella emotional i see i told i warned you guys i warned you guys whenever i talk about my dad it gets hella emotional but yeah so when we got to visit that town and, and reminisce and my dad got to see the place where he was born and grew up and everything like that although there weren't very nice memories associated with it he also did have really great memories and the fact that people recognized him and stuff from my grandfather or even just as that little boy that was selling bread on the street it was really nice to see all right and i'm just gonna end it there before i start crying a whole damn river out here (laughs) but i I hope you guys enjoyed it once again i want to thank everybody for all the support and love that you've given me for these past couple episodes like i I'm so glad that everyone's being entertained by this and is enjoying these episodes. I've been getting messages and DMs from tons of people saying, you know, that they really love what I'm doing and and how good of a storyteller I am. And really, you don't know how happy that makes me. And like I've said before, if you say that I'm funny, then you are 10 out of 10 in my book. But anyways, I hope everyone's staying safe. Everyone in the GTA, we're at the home stretch, y'all. The 28 days hopefully is almost over i'm recording this in advance so this could age really well or this could age really bad but anyways black lives matter indigenous lives matter immigrant lives matter and god loves you 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 and you and me and you and especially you okay bye